Welcome back to Faith and Family. I'm Andy Bates. We've been talking about caring for our neighbor through works of mercy, acts of mercy. What does that mean in an in the structure of an organization? You know, the Lutheran Church uh, has has established many organizations that serve the neighbor. We might call that social ministry. What does that look like in the the structure of an actual organization? Has that changed? Has that evolved over time? Joining us by phone today, Deaconess Michelle Kausch. She serves at Lutheran Social Services of Indiana and uh, also serves in, in, in a variety of ways. And uh, as a, a recent graduate of the Deaconess program as well, uh, Deaconess Kausch, welcome. Thank you. Thank glad, you. Glad to have you as my guest today and learn more about your work and what it means to, to serve as a Lutheran, to live out your faith in a social ministry organization. Tell us a little bit about the work uh, and the ways that you serve. You, I know you serve at Lutheran Social Services of Indiana in spiritual care. Tell me a little bit about that work and the other ways that you serve as well. Um, at Lutheran Social Services of Indiana, they call me the spiritual care coordinator, which which sounds nice and neat, <laughs> um, but it's definitely been a journey. I've been there a little bit over two years. I started... Um, several years ago in the fall and did what we called a book group with staff. I happened to know their CEO and president and had done some Kindle Bible studies with her because I've also been through Kindle. And she asked if I could come and do something similar to Kindle with some of the staff. And it went well. Um, It was basically a spot in their day to consider God in their day, in their personal life, in their work, and also to hopefully help encourage them in the really, really difficult work that a lot of them do. I mean, we're all involved in the ministry and in the care of clients, but the ones who have direct face-to-face contact with clients really are right out there um, in people's living rooms, in people's homes, um, helping them through some really difficult um, situations and time, times in their lives, try, trying to make a difference and get them connected to resources and hopefully get them possibly going on a different path in their life, if you will. And, and that can be really discouraging sometimes. So um, I don't know. Do you want me to keep going? Sure. And tell, okay. Sure. Um, tell us a little bit more. We pray every Monday at 1130. Um, We pray for every staff member by name. We'll also pray for different client situations. It's different people who join me every Monday. It's about a half hour time. We also have um, quarterly all staff meetings and our CEO actually takes prayer requests and we pray during that time. She always begins the all staff meeting with scripture. Um, I send out... um, an email every other Friday. I try not to inundate them, but I also send out scripture to them every other Friday. I'm available to them and to their clients on a daily basis. Um, Again, it's not nice and neat. Um, For instance, I had somebody this week who called me very unexpectedly um, and just had some pretty major things to talk about. And ultimately, what my senior pastor at the church, where I also work part-time at Emmanuel Lutheran Church here, um, taught me when I first started this there several years ago, is that I can can see my position as an opportunity to be a place where the staff and the clients can confess their sin and weakness, which is what we all need. Um, 
in pastoral care or spiritual care, if you will, because obviously I'm not a pastor, but um, and we're not the church, um, but I can listen to them and be a place where then I can speak, um, whether it's law or gospel or both, into the, the situation. And then that obviously becomes a very defining moment for me with staff. Um, and then our relationship just, um, it goes from there, I guess, I would say. Once people, and I think we know this, maybe we don't necessarily talk about it, but when we are in in pain, like Luther says, it's our suffering that then draws us to faith and to prayer and to meditation and, and hearing God's Word. Um, and so then I'm there in those spots, and I'm there for clients. I've prayed with clients at the hospital before, before surgery, and we have all the protocols in place where they sign a release, and spiritual care is considered a, a quote-unquote program that we offer at LSSI. Um, and then we just sort of take it day by day, and it's been amazing in the last couple of years to see that because I'm there and because we're being really intentional about Scripture and about talking about spiritual care, um, that the need that the need is there. It's very much there, but again, it's not nice and neat, and it's really difficult. Um, it's difficult to quantify it, I guess. I would say so. What drew you to this vocation? What drew you to serve in an organization like this, like a, a, a social ministry organization? And we'll get into what uh, SMOs and RSOs are and all the, the alphabet soup that we have in our church body. But what drew you into this? Well, it's interesting you ask that because I, in my theological exam several weeks ago at Concordia Chicago, um, you know, as one of the final steps before you graduate, that was also, they asked that question then, and they asked it when I first was interviewed for the program, and it feels like all of this chose me, <laughs> similar to how God chooses us, um, and I remember along the way in my schooling um, saying to my husband, oh, maybe I should just go get a quote-unquote real job, like am I should I be doing this? And he would say to me, you're going to be miserable doing anything else, because I have had other careers in the business world, and then I was at home with the kids for a while and worked for nonprofits. But um, about 16 years ago, when we moved back to Fort Wayne, I was in a Bible study where I was reading the Bible every single day. And I don't mean this in a law kind of way, but my life sort of, like, it was turned upside down, if you will. And I, I mean, God has always had his way with me. But in terms of this schooling, I feel like that's when it started happening. And from there, I was given the opportunity to do Kindle, which is um, the program that Bill Karpenko began. And then Les Stroh, um, he's the one who called my senior pastor and said, who in your church would want to do this class? And so then I did Kindle. And because I developed really close relationships, everybody else was a DCE in that program. And we became very close over the years that I was in that, and I wanted, I wanted that. I wanted to be called, and I didn't see that the DCE position was probably um, in my wheelhouse. And I found out about the Master of Arts in Religion program and actually started through Irvine and then found out about the Deaconess program and went, um, have been doing that through Chicago. And um, I started working at my church about seven years ago, I think it was. It, it's funny, um, we had a Lutheran Foundation Healthy Churches grant, and my senior pastor said, we can pay you four hours a week 
to help me keep my arms around the new members. And I was, I said, of course. And now I look at it and think, well, that's kind of funny that it started out that way because, of course, it wasn't four hours. <laughs> um, and it just grew from there. And so now I'm 20 hours here at church. And again, several years ago when Angie said, would you want to try to come and do this book group? And then in that was in the fall. And then in January, um, two years ago, they said, we'd like you to work as many hours as you can um, here. So I'm basically 20 at church and 20 at Lutheran Social Services. And um, it fits really, really well. Um, people will say to me, don't you want to be full-time at one place or the other? The first thing is I don't think either place could hire me full-time. And secondly, it's an amazing partnership um, because what I do here at church buoys me up and teaches me for what I need and hope to accomplish or offer there at Lutheran Social Services of Indiana. And the other really remarkable thing is our CEO at LSSI is not a Lutheran, but she understands Lutheran doctrine very well. And almost every single book I read, at least for my deaconess classes, she would read. She's read Pastoral Care Under the Cross and Spirituality of the Cross and Theologian of the Cross. And then we sort of fly together and with other staff and figure out how to make that um, be real um, for the staff at LSSI. So let's talk a little bit about LSSI and, and, and similar organizations. We can we can put those together in a, a category we might call social ministry organizations or SMOs. Um, and there are there are perhaps other names or categories we might give them. In our church body, we we may call some of them, um, some of them may qualify to be what we call recognized service organizations. And you've done some extensive research on um, the history of recognized service organizations and and, and those organizations that serve in these these social ministry type settings. Uh, Tell me about what led you to 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 study this, to to research this topic and and how these organizations have changed over time. Well, I knew um, several years ago in the Deaconess program, you know from the beginning that your last semester you will work on a capstone project. Um, and so I knew actually pretty early on when um, this program or this uh, coursework was described to me by Deaconess Kristen Waslack, who was my supervisor, that I wanted to write about spiritual care at Lutheran Social Services of Indiana. But um, it took a long time to get to the place where in January, I, you know, I had it a little bit more refined. And then we actually spent um, a lot of time in January and February really honing it down and, and coming up with an actual um, thesis statement. And then it, I mean, it's just exciting now to think about um Again, this is the basis for what I wrote about was the reality of a Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod recognized service organization, which you've mentioned, and we we call them RSOs, like Lutheran Social Services of Indiana, not being the church while allowing and nurturing word and sacrament to impact, define, and influence their identity and their spiritual care plan presents interesting and sometimes complicated opportunities. And when I came up with that, which I didn't even know I was coming up with it, <laughs> you, you know, one week during classes, Kristen's patiently walking me through this process. She said, so take that sentence and run with it. And then it all just 
fell together, and because of um, Deaconess Dorothy Kranz and also the help of staff here at Emanuel and obviously my, my boss at LSSI, I had an amazing list of resources, and I live in Fort Wayne, so I spent hours and hours at the seminary, and um, the history of RSOs is fascinating. It makes me um, grateful to be a part of this body um, of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Um, They began years and years and years ago for the same reason that the ones that have remained Lutheran are still are still going um you know in sort of non-lutheran terms we would say you know we want people to know jesus in um in lutheran terms again we would say our lutheran identity um as a recognized service organization of the synod is what um it's the foundation of everything we do it's it's called mercy work and we we do it for that reason, we do it um, so that people will come to faith and that we'll, you know, we will help them in their, their, their body and their mind needs by possibly helping them um, figure out how to pay their rent or how to take better care of their children or, you know, if it's a pregnant teen, you know, so now what am I going to do? So we, we are addressing the social work kinds of needs, the body and mind kinds of needs, but we are also attending to their soul because we know that in the end that's what will matter. And again, it makes me so grateful to learn about the history of RSOs. And it started out that in communities all across the United States, individuals and local congregations, they're who started RSOs. And over time, because the needs have gotten greater, because we've needed more sophisticated ways of dealing with people's needs, because of government funding and, and the, the restrictions and also just the sophistication that then make it more difficult to bring in, quote-unquote, church volunteers. Like, we have to be careful because of confidentiality. People have to have the right skill set. Um, but those of us, like Lutheran Social Services of Indiana, um, that have remained faithful, that have not taken Lutheran out of their name, that, that want a Lutheran identity, um, are still carrying out the mission um, of those very first um, forefathers that, that started all of this. Um, Pastor Wamsgans here in Fort Wayne started Lutheran Social Services of Indiana ultimately in 1901 um, because someone left a baby on the steps of his church. And he said to his congregation one Sunday morning, who will take this baby? And it started out as a, as a foster care and adoption agency, and it grew from there. But the mission remains the same, that um, we, are doing, we are doing mercy work. Um, so anyway, I don't know if I answered your question or Certainly. more. No, that that paints a, a good picture for us. I want to go back to a comment uh, you made earlier uh, in your your thesis statement, in, in saying that um, you know the an, an RSO, a recognized service organization, or or we might look at it as a social ministry organization, is not the church. Can you elaborate on that? What does that mean that uh, a service organization is not the church? How is it then connected to the church if it is not the church? Well, um, I learned in my church in her ministry class that the definition of the church is that we purely preach the gospel, 
and we rightly administer the sacraments. So LSSI or other recognized service organizations are simply not the church because, first of all, I'm, you know, within the LCMS, I'm not preaching, um, and we are not rightly administering the sacraments there. So, um, again, if you want to be really pure about the definition of the church, it's a pretty simple answer why we're not, quote-unquote, the church. Um, But we are very connected to the church because, again, history connects us. Um, And ultimately, the definition of a parish, which I'm delving into a little bit more now as I do some additional work on my capstone, um, in sort of a less pressured way now that I'm done with school. Um, years ago, people understood that wherever their church was, their parish consisted of a, the certain area around their church, and that um, part of being the church and attending that church and coming to worship and being supportive in all kinds of ways at your church was that you ministered to and took care of the people around, that lived around your church. Um, And this has special meaning here in Fort Wayne, definitely between Emanuel Lutheran Church and Lutheran Social Services of Indiana, but also there, St. Paul, which was the, um, the mother church of Emanuel, is right next door to Lutheran Social Services of Indiana. And they actually... Interestingly enough, um, there was a meeting this morning between St. Paul and LSSI. Um, You know, God's timing is always just almost shocks us, but um, they they want to become more involved with with the ministry of LSSI. Um, And I, you know, hopefully through our pastors and what we hear on Sunday morning, we will come to understand that it's, it's good to support our schools if we have a school attached to us, and it's good to support um, missions overseas or other Lutheran organizations within this country. But we started out to say we are in these neighborhoods, and we are now saying, again, here in Fort Wayne and I'm sure in all kinds of cities across the country, we're not moving to the suburbs. We're not. We're staying right here, and part of that means that we then will take care of the people in the neighborhood around us. And that sounds nice, and um, I, I don't know, it just it just sounds very positive and hopeful, but we need RSOs like LSSI to help us do that, because we're over our heads in about two seconds when it comes to the needs of people and their bodies and their minds in this day and age. We can attend to them spiritually. We can help them feel welcome in worship and and give them opportunities to come through Bible study. The pastors can meet with them. We can disciple people. We can be there for them in a spiritual, um, pastoral kind of way. But when it comes to body and mind, when we have people come here, and we did, I mean, we do all the time because Emmanuel's downtown also. But when we have people walk into the church, especially on the weekends, and they're homeless and they have small children with them and they really aren't, this most recent family wasn't, they didn't even have a car that they were living out of. So then we need help with that. We need to know, so where do we tell them to go, and how do we help this family? And case managers and social workers at these RSOs are experts. They've studied how to help people in those ways, and that's why it's an amazing partnership 
between LSSI and any local congregation here that, um, and we have a lot that refer to us. They're not just downtown churches. We have a lot of, of churches that work with us and refer people to us um, that are in need. What are the, the challenges in, in reading? Uh, you were gracious enough to share with me your 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 paper for your capstone project, and and you you speak about Lutheran identity in a service organization like LSSI. What what are the challenges of uh, upholding a Lutheran identity or or having a Lutheran identity in a, in an RSO in a recognized service organization? What are the the challenges of it? Is it necessary? What is Lutheran identity in a service organization? Well, I'll start with the first part. Um, it's a challenge because although it might seem um, confusing or even shocking to some people, so not everybody that works there is Lutheran. And in all honesty, in the agency where I am, there's uh, four of us that are actually LCMS, and then there's a person who's ELCA. So right off the bat, um, I would, and from what I've read, Um, for the research for this paper, that's pretty typical of RSOs today. So to to say we want to have and need to have a Lutheran identity, we have to, it's almost like with our clients, we have to meet our staff where they are because they're all very qualified and very capable. So we, we can't, you know, you can't walk in and start talking about, even the words Lutheran identity will make their eyes roll back in their heads. Um, And so that's even been interesting to watch in the last couple of years. I feel like now people trust me because initially it was like, okay, so what is this Lutheran stuff? Like, what are you even talking about? Um, And so I've had to work to build relationships with people um, so that they know me as a person so that then I can speak about spiritual kinds of things. And I can say things now like Lutheran identity and they don't like run away from me. Um, The other part is that, clients in this day and age um they're just they're in such situations they are i mean the percentage is high i don't know what it would be i don't they're not connected to local churches by and large they feel shamed they do not feel welcome or appropriate um so the connection for for most of our clients with any kind of local church is is it's just not there. And so we, we have to start somewhere. I mean, most of the conversations I have with clients at least start with, so tell me about your faith background or tell me, um, tell me about the church, you know, that if, if, they, if I find out that they have, you know, been raised in the church. So tell me about that church and tell me about the last time you were at church. Because one of the first things that we want to do is we want to try and connect because we know we're not the church um, and I can't suggest to everybody that they, that they, it's not realistic to say that they'll all go to LCMS churches. Um, it's always in the back of my mind. Um, and I did bring our last book group over here to Emmanuel because they wondered what a Lutheran church looked like. Um, but we want to connect them with a local congregation so that they are receiving God's gifts in worship. That's, I mean, that's my goal here with new members at Emmanuel, and it's it's my overarching goal with staff and clients at LSSI, and it's not a straight line, but receiving God's gift in worship, every God's gifts in worship every weekend is like the foundation that we can then build on. And in terms of whether a Lutheran identity is 
necessary. So we have found, meaning Angie and I and others who are interested in this whole topic, to, to talk about a Lutheran identity means that you're also talking about spiritual care, because a Lutheran identity ultimately means, and President Harrison wrote about this, it's, you know, he summed it up that, first of all, um, it's basically a Christian identity, which can be summed up in Luther's small catechism. Um, and as well, he talks about how the Word of God needs to have full sway in that organization, like we should never be timid about mm-hmm. anything um, being covered in, in God's Word or being explained through God's Word, that, you know, that needs that needs to be the driving force and the foundation for everything. And we, so have, if, we have just about under a minute left. Okay. Uh, sorry, we, it's no, no, gone no, so quickly. It's, it's just a Lutheran identity is very, very intimately connected to spiritually caring mm-hmm. for one another, to pa- and in another way, to say pastorally caring for each other. Um, and so we we have to have a Lutheran identity so that we know how to so that we know how to spiritually care for one another. So the that, that mutual conversation and consolation of the brethren, I think, is one yeah. one phrase that the, the confessions use to refer to that, and that's uh, to to bring that that comfort of God's word to one another in in our conversation. Yeah. My guest today, Deaconess Michelle Kausch, Lutheran Social Services of Indiana, serving there as spiritual care coordinator at Emanuel Lutheran Church in Fort Wayne as well. Thank you so much for being my guest today, Michelle. It was a pleasure to talk with you, and and, uh, I hope that you continue your studies, and congratulations on completing the Deaconess program. Thank you so much. Coming up in just a little bit, Thy Strong Word with Pastor Whedon, right here on Worldwide KFUO. Listen to Faith and Family Monday through Friday at this time. Faith and Family is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is needed for Faith and Family to continue. Our address is 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can contact us on the web and download Faith and Family at KFUO.org. Worldwide KFUO, on the air, online, and on demand.